Every one of us has unresolved issues we carry around. In a word, it's called baggage. Although we do our best to ignore, conceal, or deny it, our baggage burdens our lives and negatively impacts our relationships. If not dealt with properly, our baggage can lead us to a place of bondage. Well, it's glad that you are joining us today on this beautiful, cloudless, 80-degree weather Sunday somewhere, but Kitsap County. One of these days, summer will come. <clears throat> today is Father's Day. It is quite the day of dilemma. To some, your father is your hero. To many, he's the one that hurts you. There's a wide range of emotion when it comes to fathers, joy, happiness, disillusionment, disappointment, sadness, anger. We're wrapping up our secret baggage uh, series today. It's those unresolved issues in our hearts, in our lives that drag us down, that we carry around, and we try to hide it, we try to you know, deny it, we try to conceal it, we try to ignore it. But if you don't deal with the baggage in your life, you're not going to live the life full of joy and, and contentment and, and freedom that Christ died and rose again to give you. And so the whole challenge in this series and the book that we wrote uh, is all about how can you gain freedom that Christ has paid for and has provided for you. We've talked about generational sin and enablement and, and starvation and anxiety and fear. And my, my heart's cry to you is to let it go, put it down, deal with it. Don't pick it back up again. And today's baggage is the father wound, which is the number one contributor to the starvation baggage. It's the father wound. But there is hope. There is hope. If this whole idea of father and father's day and father room is going to hit close to you, um, it's because you haven't dealt with your baggage. It, it is affecting your life and relationships, but there is hope. We have a model to follow to be freed from this baggage. There's a room upstairs backstage that uh, has some windows overlooking the north uh, parking lot, and, and I go up there sometimes and and early as people are coming in, and I, I secretly pray for those who are walking in, those who are visitors and uh, handicapped and the people I see walking, and I'm praying for you. You have no idea, you know, that I'm up there praying for you. And, and uh, a couple of years ago, I was, I was seeing a family walk in. It's Tim and Christina, his wife, and their, their youngest um, squirrely son, Josh, and they had no idea that they were being prayed for, that you were being prayed for. Sorry, 
you know, I didn't have Matthew, you didn't see, you weren't there, so I couldn't pray for you, right? But when I saw the interaction and I saw Tim, my friend, that's not the same man I met 15 years ago, who God brought back into walking with Jesus on Father's Day about 15 years ago. Yes. But they had no idea their pastor was praying for them. In putting together this book, I, I had known Tim's father wound story, and, and he shared that with me, and I will talk about it today. But here's, here's his story that he um, graciously submitted to me. My father was an alcoholic. He was never loving and very abusive. He never physically hit me, but you don't have to be hit to be abused. He used, something, he used something far more powerful and impactful, his words. Everything I did was inadequate. It was never good enough. I mean, everything. The only way I knew I did a good job at something is if I didn't get yelled at for more than five minutes. As a result, I spent every possible moment away from home to avoid him. It was so bad that my father would even yell at me for not being home to yell at. On the outside, I looked pretty good. I was doing well in school. I played sports, had a job. My father required that I hand over to him some of my hard-earned money. I found out later that my father himself was a victim of child abuse. He was acting out how he had been treated. Everything came to a head one night when my father started an alcohol-induced fight. He began, uh, it began with him yelling at me and calling me all sorts of bad names. I just wanted to go to bed since I had school the next day. I told my dad, you're drunk. I'm not fighting with you. Good night. And as I proceeded to go to my room, he followed me with no intention of letting this end. I shut my bedroom door behind me. It, it, I didn't have a lock on my door, so I used the old-fashioned foot-at-the-base-of-the-door trick. He kept pushing and pushing against me, finally wiggling his head through the opening. When I momentarily relaxed, pressure on the door. Once his head was inside my room, he too relaxed, and then I slammed the door on his head and closed it. He screamed, I'll get you to open that door. And he ran to his room, and I heard him rummaging for his 357 Magnum pistol. I bolted for the kitchen fearing what he, that he was going to shoot me. I called 911, calmly gave my address, and advised them my dad was going to shoot me. At this point, he came into the kitchen, and I yelled into the phone, he's here. And I threw the phone so that they could trace the call if needed. My dad came at me swinging. I, I blocked several punches. Then I punched him on the side of his head, knocking him to the ground. At this point, years of, of fear, frustration, and anger welled up within me as I grabbed a frying pan on the nearby stove. Dumping the contents on the ground, I reared back to hit my father with everything I had. I was literally going, going to Hank Aaron, my dad's head, with the frying pan, which would have ended his life and my abuse. I stood there for what seemed an eternity, but didn't swing. That's when the police came in, with me standing over him frozen and my dad lying on the ground. I spent the night at a friend's house but couldn't sleep at all. Because the police couldn't establish intent, nothing happened to my dad. 
but I knew I needed to get out as soon as I could. A few months later, I joined the Air Force. Father womb. Fathers make an indelible imprint, positive or negative, in the life of every one of their children. A, a father who builds a solid foundation is an incredible blessing for their family. A solid foundation that the kids can grow up with security and significance, grow up with confidence of who they are, confidence of how God made them, uh, confidence uh, without the fear of failure, failure so they'll try different things, confidence of being comfortable in their own skins because of the foundation, the solid foundation that their father laid for them. But then there's those who have a foundation of rubble that has been jackhammered through bad action, through anger, through abuse, through not following through with commitments. And this foundation breeds insecurity, fear, fear, and lots of questions like, am, am I loved? Am I accepted? Am I have any significance? Father womb. Here's the central point today, that God desires fathers and their children to be reconciled. That is God's heart, that's his passion. God desires for fathers and their children to be reconciled. This is modeled by Jesus coming to earth to reconcile mankind to our heavenly father. Jesus modeled what we're going to go through today, that if you have a father wound, that you can follow the model that Jesus laid out before you to reconcile us to our heavenly father. It is not easy, but it is a, there are stepways to freedom. It is possible. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have all the power at your disposal through him, not yourself. So we're going to look at Jesus and what, how he modeled reconciliation of a broken, sinful human race to a holy, perfect, heavenly father. That is what gives us hope. In Scripture, there's a prophetic uh, verses that really talk about the heart of God. In the, la in the last book of the Old Testament, the last two verses is a prophecy that God is going to fulfill. I have it on the screen for you today. It says, look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, ar Lord arrives. Someone's coming to prepare, all right, the, the, the arrival of, of really of the Messiah. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Here we get a glimpse into the heart of God saying, I, I, I'm gonna, I need to do something. I'm going to bring someone to prepare the way in the day of the Lord. And, and this, his teaching is going to draw the hearts of the father toward their children and the hearts of the children toward their father. And when hearts of, of fathers and children are not joined together and turned toward each other, that land will be cursed. 
One of the curses, one of the many curses on the American culture today is we have so many disconnected father-child relationships that have been broken, abused, uh, you know, disengaged, hurt. And that's one of the reasons why we are living with a foundation of rubble in our homes. But with Jesus, there can be reconciliation. With Jesus, there can be restoration. With Jesus, hearts can turn toward each other. And you're thinking, that would be a miracle. We have a God of miracles. And again, Jesus modeled reconciliation for us. So this prophecy was fulfilled the forerunner of the Messiah, Jesus, by the name of John. It's called the John the Baptist, if you're new to Bible study. It wasn't John the Methodist and John the Presbyterian and then John the Baptist. No, no, John the Baptizer, the dunker. All right, that really means the dipper, all right? It was fulfilled through him. And when, before he was born, an angel, a messenger from God, came to John's parents and said this, he, your son, will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with a spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord, coming of the Messiah. And this is what he said. He, John, will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and will cause those who are rebellious, that's the children, to accept the wisdom of the godly. There's those two relationships beginning to face one another again. That's God's passion, and that's why Jesus came, is to reconcile the hearts of sinful mankind to a perfect heavenly Father. And when that reconciliation takes place, it is an absolute beautiful, wonderful thing. Because of God's desire to turn the hearts of fathers to the children and children's hearts to their father. There, there is what I call a, a magnetic pull of the father. A magnetic, magnetic pull. You ever played with magnets as a kid and you get really close and all of a sudden <laughs> here comes, you know, the, the paper clips, you know, to the, to the magnet. There is that wiring and that's really from God. Years ago, uh, I met with a young man, he's in his t- mid-twenties, and he came to talk to me about an issue, and, and he was pouring his heart out to me in, in my office, and it, it was this issue was, it was just weighing him down. And while I'm listening to him, I'm also praying, God, where is this going? What do you want me to say? How do I respond? And God gave me a question to ask him, and I, I, I said, i got to ask you a question, and it had nothing to do with the issue. I asked him this question, describe to me your relationship with your father. put his head down. He paused for a period of time. And then he looked up and he said this to me. I've never once met my father. He's been in prison my entire life. But I desperately want to know him. I want to know if he loves me, if he cares for me, and if he, if he approves of me. I really hope he does. There's that magnetic pull that is from God, our Heavenly Father. 
that we, we have the broken relationship with a dad, with a broken father. There's something deep down inside of us that, that want his approval, that need his love and acceptance. And that magnetic pull is from God. I'm going to walk quickly through some ways that kids' hearts turn away from their father. That they turn away from their father. The first one is disengagement. When a father is so disengaged, he is so, uh, so busy with his job, so disengaged with, with his you know, hobbies and his toys and his sports and all this, where, where the, kid, the child grows up thinking that I'm not important, that his job, his career is more important, that his hobbies, his sports, his, all these other things that he spends all this time with. And we all know, we all know when something is more important than us, and kids pick up on that, and over a period of time they turn their heart because of like, I'm not that important. The other way that turns hearts of kids away from their dad is when he's so demanding. Having standards is a good thing, but having a standard of, of, of perfection will just will wound the heart of a child. Well, that I, I can never be good enough. I can never be perfect. I can, you know, and, and it's just the demands are so high. The standard is unreachable. You will wound the heart of your child and it will turn away from you. Because none of us like rejection. Another one is a demeaning father. The words that pierce, like you're fat, you need to lose some weight. Why don't you like your sister or more like your brother? How, why are you so stupid? That demeans the person and it crushes their spirit. And the heart will turn away from their father. Then there's discouraging. It's just constant negativity, constant complaining. If you did 10 things and you got eight of them right, all he does is focus on the two, two fail, failures. Man, you scored 27 points. Yeah, but you missed that layup. And they focus on that. It's so discouraging. And they'll turn their heart. But there's hope. There's more, but there's hope. Through God, modeled by Jesus, there is hope. But you have to take some steps toward freedom. You don't take a pill and you got freedom. You don't just take a class, you got freedom. You actually have to take some steps. And what I'm going to walk you through, the model, how Jesus modeled for us reconciliation, every step will get harder. But you have to go through these steps to gain freedom. So I'm just giving you heads up warning. Yes, they're hard. But they are possible. But they will, they will lead you toward freedom. And freedom from your heart. And your dad may never change. And your dad may have already passed away. But you are still in bondage. From the father wound. And it's time to put that suitcase, that dead weight down and gain freedom. But you need to take some steps. The first step is to make an attitude adjustment. 
an attitude adjustment that you need to choose to take the same attitude Jesus took when he came here to reconcile us. We were the ones at fault, but he came to reconcile us. And in Philippians chapter 2, it's a beautiful passage where Jesus, although he was God, did not play the God card, but he took on a humble attitude and took on the form of a servant. Makes no sense at all. He was sinless, but he is serving the sinful. But he was humble. And some of you are like, no way. If anybody needs to humble themselves, it's him. For what he did or what he didn't do, what he said or what he didn't say, if anybody needs to humble himself, it's him, not me. That's brokenness speaking. That's bondage speaking. We're not talking about him. We're talking about your baggage, your bondage. And reconciliation leads to freedom, but reconciliation always requires humility. Jesus did not deserve to humble himself. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, but he chose to humble himself and serve us, even to the death on the cross. So the first step is a hard step, but it's modeling Jesus, make an attitude adjustment, say, I've got all these feelings, I've got all this stuff, junk towards my dad, but I've got to humble myself if reconciliation will take place. The second step is even harder, but it's necessary. That's the step to choose to forgive. To choose to forgive that man. Reconciliation is impossible without forgiveness. Absolutely impossible. Jesus modeled that for us. In Colossians, it said this, that you, us, uh, human beings, we were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. How did he do that? This is what Jesus did. He forgave us of all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, meaning all the wrongs. All the debt that we deserve to pay, he canceled them and nailed, nailed it to the cross. See, right here gives us the best, most accurate definition for forgiveness. Forgiveness is canceling a debt. You were owed love. You were owed to be cared for. You were owed to be accepted for how God made you. You were owed kindness. And you didn't get any of those. That's a debt. Forgiveness is writing on that, that debt canceled. Canceled. Reconciliation. Be very clear about this. Does not erase the past. It doesn't erase the past. There's no delete button. Reconciliation does not erase the past. It erases the debt. 
that you were owed. But I don't feel like forgiving him. That's bondage talk. Feelings have nothing to do with this. This is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. Because you know, you and I will never feel like forgiving people who hurt us. No, we feel like we want revenge. We want payback, right? We want them to pay. That's what we feel. Forgiveness is not about our feelings. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is not determined by him. Well, I'll forgive him if he asks for it. No, 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 that, that is not biblical. Christ forgave us first. Forgiveness is not condoning his actions. Forgiveness is not condoning the words he used. Forgiveness is a choice. It's writing canceled on a debt that you were owed. A number of years after Tim got involved and was coming and been super faithful for all these years, uh, we had a a period of time, we had a Thursday night uh, men's gathering and we were talking about basically how to to be a man and because honestly most most males growing up um, haven't really seen real manhood uh, modeled, they're flying blind and so we we were going through some things and one of the one of the lessons was on this father room and what to do and forgiveness and, and all the freedom that forgiveness brings. And, and after the class, Tim, Tim stayed. And at the end, he goes, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. And with tears, you know, welling up in his eyes, he goes, how do I forgive a man that's no longer living? How do I do that? And God gave me the answer. I'm not smart enough to think of it on my own. I said, Tim, write him a letter like you're writing him, dear dad, and you tell him what he did that hurt you, how it affected you then, how it's affecting you now. Put it all on paper. Don't hold back. And then say, but I'm choosing to forgive you and tell him why and put it all down there. A couple weeks later, he came to my office and he goes, it was hard to write this, but I, I wrote it. It brought back a lot of junk, it pulled up stuff I, I'd buried. It. it was hard, but I'm done. Could I next Thursday night read it? And I was like, whoa, most of the guys have no idea about this. He goes, Is, I, it's just accountability. I just would love to get up and read it. I said, okay, we'll do it. So I taught the lesson, and then I said, hey, we have someone that wants to share something. And I sat down, Tim got up, pulled the letter up, his hands started shaking. And as he read the letter, it was almost like his dad was sitting in the the row right in front of him. And he's choking up, and he's he's shaking, and he's getting through, and I'm off to the side to see. And it was a hard thing for for what Tim did. And then he, he's told all the pain, all this, and this is what happened then, and I'm still carrying this now. Then he paused and he says, but dad, because of Jesus, I love you. And because of Jesus, I forgive you. And I watched this man 
changed almost physically in front of my eyes, a mountain of pain and hurt and anger and bitterness came crashing to the floor. Tim sat down. Guys came around, prayed for him. And I've, from my perspective, Tim, I've never seen you pick up that baggage again. And he's been living in freedom ever since. He first had to make an attitude adjustment, and then he had to forgive. Now this third step is two-part, and it's even harder, but absolutely necessary. And it was modeled for us by Jesus. The third step is this, you need to extend mercy and grace. You need to extend mercy and grace to him. Mercy, what, 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 is, what is mercy? Mercy is this, it's withholding judgment due. It's withholding what is due. And you're not going to give it to him. You're not going to judge him. If you've forgiven him, now you're at a point where it is past, so don't bring it up again. Every time you get in a conversation with somebody, it comes around, well, my dad did this, and my dad hurt me, and da, da, da. no, 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 no. That, then that means you got to go back and forgive. Forgiveness means you don't forget. True forgiveness means you, you're done, and you stop bringing it up. And so then you extend mercy. It's like, I'm not going to judge you anymore. I'm not going to hold it over your head anymore. Why? Because you forgave them. It's, it's canceled. That's what Jesus did. He forgave us, and he said, I'm removing hell from you. There is no now no condemnation because you're in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is not going to keep throwing up in your face, bringing up. Oh, you remember back then? You remember back then? And Jesus is like, yeah, that still hurt. No, no, no. He forgave you. As far as the east is from the west, your sins are forgiven. It's done. It's in the past. Satan is the one that brings it up, not Jesus. So stop bringing up judgment towards your dad. You've forgiven him. Now you extend mercy. I'm not going to judge you anymore. That's hard. But the second part is even harder. But it's imperative. Extend grace to your dad. What is grace? You're going to give him what he doesn't deserve, what he hasn't earned. And that's what Jesus did for us. It is for by grace we are saved through faith in Jesus. It's not of our own. It's a gift. Can't earn it. We don't deserve it. So by extending mercy, withholding judgment, and then extending grace to your father, you're giving him what he does not deserve. Because that's what Jesus did for us. Let me give you some examples. Give him grace by giving him a piece of your heart again. Part of your heart that was cold has been broken. You turned away. Grace is I'm going to extend, I'm going to give you a place 
in my heart again. Is that scary? Heck yeah, because you're going to risk rejection. But this is more about you than him. This is about you following the model, uh, reconciliation model of Jesus. Give him a place in your heart again. Here's another example of grace. Give him grace by inviting him back into your life. Giving grace, inviting him to have a relationship with your kids now. Whoa. No, no, hold on, hold on. If he is unhealthy, don't go there. Because you, just because of forgiveness doesn't mean you have no, doesn't mean you have no boundaries. Forgiveness doesn't mean you, you, you have trust. No, that, that's, that's earned over making good choices. But would you be willing, if he's healthy enough, to extend grace by inviting him back into your life and to see you and to build relationships with your kids? See, extending mercy and grace is exactly what God extended toward us as sinners. He humbled himself, became a servant to sinners. He forgave us. Every day his mercy is new. He's not going to judge. He's not judging you. Why? Because your sins are forgiven. And he gives you grace. Now here's some homework. If you are here listening in this room or online, and you don't have the father wound, you are blessed. Your homework is to shower your father with blessings and appreciation. And I'm thank you. Does he irritate you? Yeah, it's in the dad's contract. It's, it's for us to irritate our kids at times, right? But you shower him with blessings because he was a blessing to you. Maybe he's already passed. Well, maybe write a letter that, you know, put down on paper. But if he's alive, best pick up the phone call, phone today and call him. If he's, in, if he's close, go see him, look face to face and tell him why, he, why he, and how he was such a blessing to you. That's your homework. But for those of you with a father womb, Start down the path of freedom today. Maybe, maybe the first step you need to take, because those other steps, are you're not ready for that, is you look at the list of counselors we have in the program and the notes, and you set up a counseling session. I, I need some help. They're all, they're all Christians. The believers are trained. They're going to lead you through the, you know, the right path based upon biblical truth. Maybe that's your first step. Then you need to Adjust your attitude. Then forgive him. And then extend mercy and grace. Maybe the best Father's Day gift you'll give him is your steps. And whether he accepts those gifts or not is not a reflection on you. He's still broken and needs God. This is more about your baggage, your freedom that is right there for you. Everything I said, all the steps, they're hard. 
because you have been hurt, that's why they're hard. But God will walk with you every step of the way, cheering you on, giving you strength. You say, what do I say, God? That's a great place to start. What do I say, God? Because there are a lot of things you want to say that probably shouldn't say. But he'll help you. And it's all so you can be set free. Put that baggage down and walk away from it. Would you pray with me? God, in my spirit, I just I sense a heaviness in this room. I sense many who have a father womb. And now they're wrestling in, in their mind and in their emotion of, I don't want to do these things. But then hearing you saying you need to do those things and take these steps. And God, I pray that you would give them courage to make the steps that you are calling them to make so they can walk away and begin to live in freedom. Is it going to be easy? No, but you're with them. You will walk with them. Give them freedom each step along the way. And Lord, further, for those who have a father who has been a blessing to them, I pray that their gratefulness will multiply. And they will show it and tell it if he's still alive. God, thank you for being a great heavenly father. Thank you that you sent Jesus to reconcile us back to you. Your heart is always towards us. May our heart be towards you. Thank you, Jesus, for modeling what we need to do in this difficult area. We pray this in the name of Jesus. We say, amen. Amen. If you are our guest today, thank you for being with us. There's a, we'd love for you to go to guest services to, um, to get, receive a gift just, just for being here. But let's pray that this is, a, this is hard, but I pray that you would gain freedom and taste freedom like you've never tasted before. Thank you for being here today. Have a wonderful rest of your day.